0: controllers in Rails 3 have changed a lot underneath the hood, but the public interface that you're interacting with as a Rails developer hasn't changed very much in Rails 3. However, there are a few new additions in controllers that I want to show you in this episode. I want to start off by showing you something really quick in the application controller. Uh, In a Rails 2 application, you probably have a line that looks like this, where you're filtering the parameter uh, so that it doesn't show up in plain text inside of a log. In this case, we're just filtering the password. And uh, in Rails 3, this method has been deprecated. So we'll just remove it here. Instead, we now need to define this inside the new application file in the config directory. Now, if we just scroll down to the bottom of this file, you can see there's this line here for adding filter parameters. And this line is actually automatically added in new Rails 3 applications. So it's really nice because it's easy to forget to filter that password parameter but of course you will want to add any other password or any other sensitive um, information into this as well so they don't show up in the logs such as credit card numbers next let's move on to an actual controller and I want to show you a few cool things you could do here in Rails 3. Uh, Notice down in the create action here we have a redirect to clause and the neat thing about this is you can now specify uh, the flash message inline in the redirect to message so instead of here you could just specify this as a second parameter to redirect to. Just say notice, and then pass in your flash message. So either notice or alert will work here. If you want something else, you'll have to have to actually nest it inside another flash hash. But normally, you just want notice, so we'll just do that here. Now, this feature was also added in Rails 2.3.6, so if you're using the latest version of Rails 2, you can use it there as well. Now, while we're on the subject of redirects, there's something I found out recently that's kind of cool about how objects are translated into URLs. Now, this applies to Rails 2 as Rails Rails 3. Um, Basically, what we're doing here is just passing in the product instance into redirect. And that's a shorthand for doing product path and then passing it into there. So it'll go to the show action for that specific uh, object there. But what if we wanted to go to a specific page of that product, maybe the edit page? Well, you could do edit product path but there's a shorthand for this as well. And that is to place it inside of an array and just prefix it with the edit element like that. And that will actually go to that same edit product path. It's just a little bit shorter. Um, You may or may not want to use this, but I thought it's kind of cool and found out recently. But it does apply to Rails too as well. Um, Also, nesting applies here. If you have some nested resources, maybe a category has many products, uh, you could do category here, and that will nest the resource in the URL. And um, maybe you didn't want to go to the edit page, just the show action. You could do it like that. Um, but basically, that's just sort of a neat um, tip I'd throw in there, but also applies to Rails too. Oh, by the way, that array technique I just showed uh, can work anywhere that you're generating a URL, such as in the views too, inside of a link to method. Next I want to show you another new feature that I really like called permanent cookies. Uh, So let's say we're defining a new cookie here. To demonstrate this, I'll just create a new one called uh, last product ID. Once our product gets saved, we'll just set this to our product ID. Um, Now, this will just be a temporary cookie, which means when the user closes the browser window, it's just going to disappear. If we want to make this permanent in earlier versions of Rails 2, what you would have to do is turn nest this inside of a hash, add some um, expiration options, and so on inside of here. But... In Rails 3, and also this was added in Rails 2.3.6, what you can do is just add a permanent call into here, cookies.permanent, and set the hash through this. And this will actually um, turn this into a cookie which has a very late expiration date so it doesn't disappear right when the user closes the window. Now you can also create signed cookies this way as well. I won't be going into detail here, but I recommend you check out Prateek's blog post on the subject, which I'll link to in the show notes. Basically what you do is you just call cookies.signed, and then what that will do is it'll encrypt it for you automatically and unencrypt it when it uh, retrieves it. Um, But you will have to specify the cookie uh, verifier secret inside maybe an initializer file. Um, So that way it has a key to go by. Now, the last thing I wanna show you here is probably the most significant new addition to Rails 3 controllers, and that is called RespondWith. To demonstrate this, let's say inside this application, we need to provide a REST service over an XML interface. So that means each of our controller actions will now need to return an XML response into it in addition to the normal HTML response. So inside of a Rails 2 application, you might do it something like this, where you have a call to respond to, and then you specify inside of here the different formats this action responds to, such as HTML and XML. And then for XML you want to render the XML version of that products array and so on. But this can get a little bit cumbersome if you're doing this for every single action. Instead in Rails 3 you now just have to call respond with inside of here, and then pass it your key object, such as our products array. But this also has a sister method which you need to call on, that is the class method of respond to, and that just takes whatever um, mime types you want to respond to so such as HTML and XML and then this respond with call will know what formats to support inside this action. So we can give this a try here uh, this is our products index action and all we have to do is just append .xml to this URL and then magically we get the XML response uh, for all the products in our index action. Okay, so what does this respond with method really doing underneath the hood? Well, in a simple Git request like this, what it does is it tries to look for a view file to render for that specific uh, MIME type, such as an HTML file. It'll just find that HTML ERB file and render that. But for the XML version, it doesn't find a view. So what it does is it's going to call to XML or whatever format you want on the object that you pass into it, and just output that response. So for get requests, it's pretty simple. So we could just paste this line in for each of those requests. Now this create action is a little bit more complicated. And that is because there's some HTML specific code inside of here such as the redirect and the render. Uh, We don't want to use redirect to inside of an XML response. So to get around this, actually you just remove the HTML specific parts of your request, such as this we'll just go back to a normal flash message here, and we'll just remove the render call entirely and just add our respond with method. Because respond with will actually handle those defaults for us of redirecting and rendering um whether or not that given object that we pass in here, again product, uh is has any errors. And actually, we do need to fix this up here so that we're just passing in the normal product, single product instance. So we can now add this respond with method to every other action. Again, we just want to remove the HTML specific code. And there we go. Now, for the most part, this should work. Okay, this respond with method can be a little bit confusing. So here's a summary. On a get request, What it does is it first looks for a view that responds to that specific format. It renders it. If there's no view, it'll call to or XML or whatever format you want on the object you pass into here. On any other kind of request, what it first does is it checks if that object you passed into there has any errors. If it does, it's going to render the appropriate view. For create, it's going to be the new action. For update, it's going to be the um, edit action and so on. And if it doesn't have any errors, it's going to redirect to that specific object. So in this case, once it's done being created, it'll redirect to the show page for that product. Okay, really quickly here, we can try this out inside of our application, we can edit to make sure that still works, we can edit our products, we can even destroy them. And the redirecting all happens properly, which is somewhat surprising in the destroy action because it's trying to redirect to that specific object, but I assume because it's destroyed, it automatically knows that there's no ID, so it redirects to the index action. Either way, it works great. The respond with method is pretty customizable as well, so let's say we want to change the location that this update action gets redirected to when it successfully saves the product. What we can do is pass in a location option and then say... Uh, product's URL, and that way it'll go to the index action instead of that specific product. And we could try this out by editing this product here, and then it takes us back to our index action. Now, you can also override specific formats by passing in a block to this method, just like you would with respond too. So let's say uh, for our XML response, we want to say, um, let's just render some text So then we could try that out by going to our edit page and going to the XML version. And it says we get an error message, but um, it's actually the true response. I think it's just because it's not a true XML document, it's complaining about that. But uh, it is returning the, the string properly. And finally, if you need complete customization, you can even pass in a custom responder class. And that way, the controller just hands everything over to this responder class and you can customize that behavior of the respond with method as much as you want there. For an example of creating your own responder class I recommend you just check out the built-in responder in Rails 3. Um, The code is pretty easy to read and it's well documented and if nothing else you'll get a better idea of how the responder works. Well, that's it for this episode. As you can see, RespondWith is a really convenient way to handle multiple formats. Uh, But if you see yourself customizing it too much, you might just want to move everything inline and don't use RespondWith. Alternatively, if you have a lot of duplication, you can uh, just create your own custom responder class like I showed you.